This morning's scripture comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is God's word. Now I'll put it down. Should get announcement and prayer leaders from the same height. Um, just a quick announcement about the second service for parents. This will be of interest to you. 1030 service, the later service starting next week. If you have an infant, uh, two-year-old or younger, there'll be a nursery that will be manned. Uh, no one has to wear masks. Uh, the, you know, the kids don't have to wear masks. Also, a threes and fours class will be going on during the 1030 service. So, Get a reprieve if you're, we're starting to slowly reopen things. You don't have to sign your kids up to be in this service. Uh, to be in the service, like, we're, we're looking for space for the 1030 service, so if you're going to have your kids in the nursery or there, don't sign them up to be in here. That way we know we have seats. Okay? Clear? Is the mud? Okay. Um, so last February, I've saved this story for over a year. Last February... Uh, there was a freezing cold morning. Uh, it was windy. Uh, it's February 2020, pre-pandemic. We were, it was, uh, howling wind. Wind chill must have been below zero. Uh, and it was middle of the night, 2 a.m. And as older people sometimes do, I'm up in the middle of the night and I'm looking out my second floor window, uh, out onto my backyard which we lived at that time in a gated community, fenced at center of the community, fenced in backyard, whatever. I look out, and there's somebody camping in my backyard. <laughs> and, of course, I'm asleep. I'm half asleep. So I'm thinking, no, it's just like shadows or something. So I go over. It's a true story. I go over, splash water on my face, wake up like, uh, that's crazy. I look out. Not only is there someone camping in my backyard, there's a flashlight in the tent, and someone's moving around with a flashlight in the tent. I'm like, oh, man, what? I I didn't, I'm not processing this. I'm just like, it is freezing out. It is windy out. I can see, you see the tent blowing in the wind. I'm like, is this some poor, like, homeless person? Or is this, uh, like, I don't know. So I'm thinking, what do I do? You know, I just, do I go back to bed and just leave this person camping? In my, it's a little backyard. It's like 10 feet from my house, all right? So this, so I'm thinking, so I think, I know. I'll wake up my wife. She'll know what to do. <laughs> honey? Honey, are you awake? That's a great question. 2 a.m., right? Honey? Uh, I'm like, honey, I think there's something 
somebody camping in, camping in our backyard. It's like, you want to get your wife up, guys, in the morning, early? Just tell them there's somebody camping. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, no, no way. I'm like, go look, go look for yourself. So she goes, trudges out, her, looks over her second floor. She's like, there's somebody camping in our backyard. I'm like, I know, I told you. She says, there are two flashlights moving around inside. Two flashlights, two people in the tent. Like, Okay, so now we have the debate, right? The marital debate. What do we do, right? And so, you know, all the gifts and the whatever, I'm like, I'm not going outside. It's probably, you know, who knows what kind of state they're in. I'm, it's going to be, you know, I'm, and she's like, no, invite them inside. I'm like, you invite them inside. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what are we going to do with this? And so she's like, well, they're going to freeze out there. I'm like, I know, I know we got to, I mean, we've got to do something. All right. Well, let's, let's. Maybe we should call the police. Like, because, like, if I go outside and approach this thing, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to startle them in the middle of the night. I, you know, I, what circumstances brought them to the middle of our, you know, fenced-in yard? I mentioned there's a fence. And uh, so she's like, oh, okay. Get, you know, go ahead. Call the police. Call the police. I'm like, you call the police. No, you call the police. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So, hi, there's somebody camping in our backyard. Okay, yes, sir. Where do you live? Well, I'm in Piedmont. See, you're in Piedmont? Are you sure? I I don't know. I guess there's a tent in our yard. There's lights going off in the tent. I don't know. We'll send a patrol car around. I'm like, okay, now we're in it. Now we're fully we're fully into this thing now. So it's like 3 a.m. Police car rolls up. I'm fully dressed. It's freezing out. I mean, it's so cold out. Yes, sir. What seems to be the problem? Well, I kind of you know. There's somebody camping in our backyard, and we don't know what's going on, and we don't want it to freeze, but we don't want to approach it. They're like, really? I'm like, I, I don't know. Y'all go check it. So they like, going out. There's a tent in your backyard. They're in the big flashlights, you know. I'm like, yeah, I told you there was a tent in the yard. They're like, hello, hello, you know. And so I'm like, I'm getting brave now, you know, following the policemen, and and they're and they're like, sir, sir, stand back, you know. And so I'm like, all right. All right. So they get into the thing and like, you know, they're, they're, and all of a sudden I hear this like howling laughter and they're like, I think your neighbor's greenhouse blew over. It's plastic and the light from your neighbor's floodlight is reflecting off of the, it's a piece of plastic, sir. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was a piece of plastic. And they're like, we think you're all right. We think you're safe. So I just tell your neighbor, it's a big greenhouse. I said, it looked like a tent from where I was standing. And they're like, I'm like, I'm really sorry. And they're like, oh, no, this is the best thing that's happened to us all week. We're, it's all good. He said, it's great story. It'd be a great story at the, at the uh, you know, the police station. I'm like, good night. <laughs> Why do I tell you that? Well, <clears throat> for good reason or for ill, I didn't examine the evidence closely enough, and I came up with the wrong conclusion. This morning's story is of people who were surprised by a circumstance they weren't expecting. When they expected to find something they didn't find, they didn't know how to process the evidence. And initially they came up with the wrong conclusion. And for us as Christians, I think we can do that. And if we do it wrongly, we end up not experiencing the kind of life God wants us to experience. So let me back up. Here we have some women, at least three of which are named, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, 
whose husband worked for Herod. So she helped fund Jesus' ministry. And Mary, one of the mothers of one of his disciples, at least those three and others, come to the tomb to properly bury their Messiah, their teacher. Remember, five days earlier, they'd marched into Jerusalem with this guy being the king of the world. He was hailed. They had watched him betrayed by one of their insiders, brutally tortured by the Romans, has gotten betrayed by the religious leaders. And I imagine they must have been traumatized by watching this man in whom they put all their hopes crucified. How could they not have been? And so the least they could do at this point with crushed hopes was to at least let his body be properly buried according to their tradition. So they took spices and they were there. And one of the other gospels, it says they weren't sure how they were going to get inside the tomb because a huge stone was placed on the mouth of the tomb. So they were talking about that. And so they walk in. And the first surprise is that the tomb is open. And it says they poked their heads inside the tomb. And in John's gospel, it says that one of them said, won't you tell us where they've put his body? Someone's taken his body. What does that mean? Well, grave robbing was is a thing. And so they were shocked that someone so quickly over the Sabbath would rob this grave. And they're, they're just wanting to know where this dead guy is. Even though they kind of examined the evidence, they came up with the wrong conclusion. And then in Luke's gospel, it says that there was angelic beings that spoke with at least some of the women. And they asked this question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember the words that he said? How this Messiah was going to die and then rise again on the third day. They run and they tell Peter and the other disciples, do they believe him? No. Say, these women, they're just telling idle tales. It's gossipy. By the way, as awful as it may seem in our culture, women were not considered, their their testimony wasn't even considered uh, admissible in a court of law. So if you're writing the Bible and it's not true and you want to put testimony in someone's mouth, of the truth of what you're averring, that a dead man's come back to life, you wouldn't put it into the mouth of someone who was considered an unreliable witness, would you, if you were making it up? Does that make any sense? It only makes sense if it actually happened. Well, here they go. Having to come to a decision as you and I do, as all people do, about this. And I can only see three choices. One is, and this would be our cultural narrative, which is dead people don't rise from the the grave. That's, you know, don't see it around. Don't see it a lot. Um, It's not rational. It's not scientific. It's not logical. Didn't happen. It's a myth. Some people feel like it's a dangerous myth. Some people just feel like, It's a quaint custom, you know, some people believe like they believe in Santa Claus or whatever. But no, didn't happen. Okay, if you're, if that's where you are, I I understand, I definitely understand that. And uh, 
I appreciate your watching this. Um, I, I would humbly ask you to keep listening. Because um, for, for others, there's a sense of, well, it's not, yeah, you know, I know the impact this story has had in Christianity, but it's no, I, I don't I can't prove it. I, I wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't, but there's no way to really figure it out. It's just a matter of faith. And certainly, at some point, it becomes a matter of faith, and we'll talk about that. But there's no real evidence, there's no real way to point to this, so you really can't know. And I would ask you, let's talk about that. I think there's things in history, in the Bible, that might give you some pause if you stop to think about it. Just email me, pastor, livinghopepc.org. Let's have a dialogue. I'll send you some things to read because I, I, I understand that as well. But I'm going to assume that for the majority of people listening or here, you probably wouldn't be here, you might not be here, unless you think, yeah, I think that happened. Well, I just want to ask a question. Do, do you live as if it happened? Does it really change your life? Because let's be absolutely clear. The Bible says being a Christian means you believe that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. A dead man came back to life, fully dead, and he, God raised him from the dead. As a person, as a human, not just as a spirit, not as a ghost. He raised him from the dead. That is the definition of a Christian. That you trust in that and in that salvation that comes because of that. If that is your testimony and your yes, let me suggest to you that there's four ways in which that should change your life. Out of this scripture in Luke 24, I'm going to pull some of this, but here it is. First, is you should be able to live with nothing else mattering in that way that the resurrection matters. If you've got your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac... And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, Abraham was even able to offer his most precious earthly possession, his child, knowing that the resurrection of the dead was a possibility because he believed in that power. And he was didn't know anything about Jesus in that sense. That's why Abraham is a model of faith. The resurrection of the dead means that when you want to value anything else and put value on anything in this life, it can be taken away from you. That's the reality of this life. Our health, people, our jobs, our security, things we've trusted in. It can go away. But the resurrection says that it's forever. 
that Jesus Christ is the only thing that will last forever. And to the extent your relationship is anchored in Him and rooted in Him is the sense in which your life is stable. Second thing, biblical authority in God's Word will trump your feelings. What do I mean by that? Well, these three women, understandably, as I said, were likely traumatized, certainly shocked, grieved, surprised, wondering. More than a tenth in their backyard, there was, first of all, a dead Messiah, second of all, an empty tomb, and they wondered what was going on. And they were confronted with this question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember the word of the Lord, how he would die and rise again? See, God's word is going to be more real than your feelings on any given moment. John 14, 1 says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't told you, if it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And so as much as we think, well, what I feel is so real, and it certainly seems real at the moment, the biblical narrative is, that what happened on Easter is more real than what you're feeling. The third thing, that this empty tomb and the yes to believing that Jesus rose from the dead is that God's purposes are going to prevail over immediate events. I don't know about you, but I can get really shaken by the crisis of the week right now. And as our world is roiling and rocking, Or maybe your personal life is roiling and rocking and something or someone that you thought would be there is no longer there. Some piece of your life that you thought was stable has been yanked out from under you. And you wonder, how do I respond to this? Well, the answer is that you don't seek life among dead things. You don't seek the living among the dead. And if you're looking for answers and you're looking for stability, even in good things, like people and like our culture, it's not that everything's bad in it, but if you're seeking your stability in that, it says just as much as an empty tomb shocked you, you'll be shocked by what won't last if you don't know what will last. And finally, a yes to the resurrection says there's no grief that's eternal. Grief is turned to joy. Grief is real. Guys, life is full of sorrow. It is. But if you know the resurrection is true, The grief will not last forever. The the joy comes. This morning, I just want you to think, do I believe this? Do I believe the resurrection? Objective story, not metaphor. This is not a metaphor for butterflies springing out. This is a dead guy 
breathing again. Heart starts beating again. Changed life. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, do you live like it? Doesn't mean we're smiley. Doesn't mean that we don't have the trouble and the grief and the fear that is human. It's human. It means it doesn't win. It doesn't remain. It doesn't have the last word. Darkness does not have the last word. As real as it is, light and life, the grave says, beat the darkness and the sorrow. He is worthy because the Lamb of God has risen from the dead. Now, you will never know for sure on this side of faith. Surprise. If you want all your doubts washed away, well, you just have to convince me. Just prove it. And then I'll believe. You will never believe. The Bible says you, you will never believe. There's good reason to believe. The dialogue I'd like to have with anyone who thinks this, this is just, you know, unrational or whatever, I'd like to have a dialogue with you, but you won't believe at the end of our conversation. You will believe, and at the other side of belief, you will see the evidence, because buried in your faith becomes the evidence that after 45 years of walking with the Lord, I become more sure than I ever have been, but believe me, wasn't sure as I jumped, as I leapt. I thought it was the bed I needed because this life held nothing for me when I cast everything on Jesus. But I didn't know for sure until He caught me on the other side of that faith leap, and neither will you. But I will tell you for absolute certainty that everything in this life that you want to see happen will be empty and will disappoint you at the end of the day. And when you're when you're down to your last few breaths and your last few heartbeats, everything that you value now will mean nothing. I guarantee it. The only thing at that point that you will want carrying you from this life to the next will be the one who led the way on Easter morning. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you give life that you provide for us in a way that no one else can, that you who did what no one else could do, lived a perfect life, lived a life we should have lived, died the death we should have died, rose again as a first fruit of what can happen to us if we will trust in you, if we will let you bear the sins that keep us in the grave. It is our sins that keep us there, but you who've offered to take them away from us and put them on yourself. Help us, Lord, to turn from our sins and turn to you. Help us to know that that is the only way that life will begin, that when death was arrested and our life began. As we close this morning, I'll invite you to stay seated for the first, at least the first part of this song. And I just want you to consider 
Do you believe? If not, what will I do with this most important question? Something in the Talmud that I love, which is the Jewish commentary in the Old Testament. I heard this week someone said, the, uh, t- the Talmud says, the best day to repent is the day before you die. Think about it. If only we knew. 